0: Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Welcome into Soccer Morning here on WorldSoccerTalk.com. Thank you very much for partaking in the program today. We are live and on the air, and I want to talk about soccer because what else are you going to do? Especially with everything happening in the world of the U.S. men's national team, it is all turmoil and drama and nonsense and some of it is just makes you want to pull your hair out some of it just makes you want to i not quit on the team i don't know i mean if we were going to take a poll 100 we asked 100 people what your defcon on the united states men's national team was and if you don't know what defcon is it's a defense condition thing it's a real life thing they use to uh, the, US, uh, the U.S. military uses to declare <clears throat> where our, our defense condition is. It's self-explanatory that way. But also prominently features in the movie War Games. DEFCON 1 is all out. We are going for it. We're, we're at war. DEFCON 1 is the worst, okay? DEFCON 1 is all of the alarms are going off. And for our purposes here, for the U.S. men's national team, all alarms are going off if we're at DEFCON 1. It goes down to DEFCON 5. DEFCON 5 is everything's great. It's cool. There's no alarms. We can all chill out, relax, uh, have a drink and a smoke and just be people. Where are we on that? If we asked 100 people, I think we'd get a lot of DEFCON 1s right now. Kyle on Twitter says DEFCON 2. That's, that's as close as you can get without, the, without everything. All the klaxons. That leads us into the news today. And by the way, there's a game tonight. So we're going to get into that. We're going to talk to you guys, get plenty of phone calls on the air tweets at Soccer Morning, hit us up there with your DEFCON. We have news. <clears throat> I'm going to start with the U.S. Men's National Team and what happened yesterday. Jurgen Klinsmann, ahead of that match with Costa Rica tonight at Red Bull Arena, holding a press conference, chooses to use said press conference to call out one of his players. Speaking a day before the U.S. plays Costa Rica in an exhibition, Klinsmann said, I had a very severe word with Fabian Johnson and I sent him home today. He can rethink his approach about his team. Now, apparently, Johnson begged off in extra time against Mexico. With the game on the line, Fabian Johnson, having trouble in the heat of Pasadena, decided he needed to come off the field. This upset Jurgen Klinsman in part because Jurgen Klinsman was holding back one of his substitutions so he could put Nick Ramondo on for penalties. First of all, that's a ridiculous idea. I mean, not, the, not because Nick Romano's not great at penalties, but to hold back a substitution in extra time in a game you're not guaranteed to be tied after 120 minutes anyway. Bobby and Johnson begging off, that's a different issue. The, the choice by Jurgen Klinsmann to put it out into the public and shame one of his best players, I don't know about that one. In other news, David Beckham has told the Daily Star of England, which I, I, maybe I was barely aware was a thing that he expects to have an announcement on a stadium site for his Miami franchise in about six weeks or within six weeks, and that he hopes to start play in 2018. Considering we don't have a stadium site, considering they don't have a name or a staff or academies or or any players, of course, that comes later, I guess, but they don't have anything else, this team exists not at all. That's a pretty aggressive timeline. Your quote, our, our aim is 2018, but trying to build a team is something I've dreamed of since being a kid, blah, blah, blah. There have been a few speed bumps along the way, but I believe we are closer now than we've ever been. So hopefully in the next six weeks, we'll be able to announce the side of the stadium, the stadium plans, and then we'll move on. It's really exciting. He's talking about the name. He's crushed our dreams. I actually heard Miami Vice the other day. It's not going to be that. Miami Reds. I also heard Miami United the other day, but we'll see. Please not Miami United. Please, David. I beg of you. No Miami United. European qualifiers. That's all happening right now. Russia and Slovakia have been added to the field for Euro 2016. After qualifying yesterday, Russia beating Montenegro 2-0 in Moscow. Fourth straight European championships for Russia. Slovakia finishes second in Group C with a 4-2 win over Luxembourg. This is the first time Slovakia has participated as an independent nation in the European Championships. We got other results from yesterday, including Austria beating Liechtenstein 3-0. Sweden beating Moldova 2-0. Spain beating Ukraine 1-0 to finish top of their group. Uh, That's a way to Ukraine. England staying perfect with a 3-0 win over Lithuania. That's how they finish out Uh, their qualifying campaign. 10 wins, 10 games, 30 points plus 28 goal differential. Now, let's keep in mind that Group E, England's group, was made up of Switzerland, Slovenia, Estonia, Lithuania, and San Marino. Not exactly a murderer's row, but give England plenty of credit for navigating uh, their group with a perfect record. The playoff draw, we've got games left, the playoff draw from all of those third place teams uh, for the playoffs uh, will uh, will take place on Sunday, so we'll find out uh, who plays who in the playoffs, but business to be done games today incredibly important game netherlands hosting the czech republic they have their qualification on the line the netherlands the dutch have to beat czech republic and hope that iceland upends turkey in turkey in order for the dutch to take over third place in their group and get into the playoffs that's the only hope the netherlands has They're two, they have their two points back of turkey right now uh, in group a iceland has already qualified the czechs have already qualified. It's a matter of whether or not Turkey or the Dutch uh, finish in third place. Also on the schedule today, Belgium, Israel, Cyprus, Bosnia, Herzegovina, Wales, Andorra, Bulgaria, Azerbaijan, Italy, Norway, Malta, Croatia. Not exactly uh, uh, rich with games outside of that Dutch-Czech Republic game. And finally, Seth Blatter and Michel Platini have told investigators that the payment to, to Michel Platini that has sparked their uh, suspension, 90 days each, provisional suspension, is based on an uh, oral agreement between the two that goes back to Michel Platini working for FIFA from 1998 to 2002. Um, according to, uh, uh, see, the contract was for uh, Platini to be paid 300,000 Swiss francs per year for his job. He claims an additional 500,000 Swiss francs per year was to be deferred the Frenchman received a 1.05 million Swiss francs for three and a half years of work. Uh, The uh, Platini, who was also FIFA FIFA vice president under Blatter until he was suspended Thursday, said two weeks ago, he's not paid the totality of my salary because FIFA's financial situation at the time. So they're claiming that FIFA didn't have the money, that they waited nine years for him to be paid, and this is all based on an oral agreement. Uh, Swiss law requires him to call in that debt uh, within five years. So there you go. All right, so we've set the table. We've got USA Costa Rica if you want to talk about that. European qualifiers, the Dutch. Jurgen been calling out Fabian Johnson. That's going to be top of mind. Soccer Morning, worldsoccertalk.com. Your call's next.
1: The face the crowd. You're talking too loud.
0: Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we are back on Soccer Morning on a Tuesday. It is game day for the U.S. men's national team, and yet I feel as though nobody cares. Uh, Nobody cares. Does anybody care? What is attendance going to be like at Red Bull Arena tonight? I I, I imagine there will be a lot of Costa Rica fans. Good for them. A lot of expats. a A lot of people who have moved from Costa Rica to the United States or are of... Costa Rican origin, their families, that's great. Good for them. But who else is going to be there? Are there going to be um, U.S. national team fans there, like actually cheering and happy and ready to be excited about watching their team play? I mean, this is, talk about a lame duck game that has zero energy behind it from an American perspective. Zero. What could you possibly take away from this game? What could you possibly, Aaron's in Jersey. I don't know where in Jersey, Aaron, but are you going to this game?
2: Um, Inglewood, yes,
0: I'm definitely going to the game. Okay, all um, right, good for I you. I like
2: uh, Costa Rican style and I like uh, where we are because everyone doesn't like where we are. Oh. And so I <laughs> tend to be a little contrarian. And uh, also, you know, if you look at um, national team histories for, you know, dozens of other teams, in the world, if you don't try out new things the year after a World Cup, um, you know, in, in uh, a World Cup cycle, when do you try things out? And okay. if you look at the what happened to Germany and Italy in this in the in the nineties and two thousands, when they delayed this effort just to get results, play their oldest players, you know, kind of max out the legacy system, um, they crashed and burned and sure. dealt with. Sure. Not four-year cycles, but eight and twelve-year well, cycles to but, get back on but, top. But Aaron, and they had to gut their whole systems.
0: Do, do you think? Do you think that there has been anything, anything approaching a coherent plan on the part of Jurgen Klinsmann over the past year to to get to that place? To 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 try. I mean, and, I mean there there have been new faces, sure, it, but there has, there hasn't been cons- well, there hasn't been any consistency, right? So, I mean, well, if you all right, go ahead, no, go ahead.
2: <laughs> I mean, I, I I guess I would say. You know, I've had this uh, debate with a lot of friends of mine over the years about American style. And, I mean, the American style is this, you know, kind of chaotic model. It's like saying, has there been any consistency in our politics, in our infrastructure and business? I mean, if you look at kind of every industrial nature of our of who we are, you know, we are not this kind of, you know, sequentially organized society and you're never gonna get these kind of clean resets. And and I think the truth is until until Galati changes, and I, I'm sure when that happens too, eventually a cleansman or someone like that would change, until you kind of get a reformation institutionally, you're never gonna get a clean reset. And I'm not simplifying and dumping it all on top of him either, because I don't think it's that simple. I think I think where we are is we've evolved from starting soccer back up 25 years ago because that's what really happened we started back up in 19 literally late 80s when we kind of like said oh yeah soccer again and then we're now kind of at this this eventual point where we now have to become kind of professional at this like everyone else is professional and we have a lot of these kind of baggages some and mls and i call them the Double G's, because I'm a big boxing fan, so Triple G's fighting. So Garber and, and, and Gelati are my double G. And, uh, you know, it's like we, we, we're we stuck with all these kind of vestiges of what got us here. And we just have to kind of, to be blunt, flush them out of the system in the next probably five years. And then we'll be able to really build on what that next generation of leadership is. And between now and then, we just have to kind of pound out what we can and I know that's not a beautiful answer, but I think it's the only one no, we're going to get. It's, it's just, you, you could, you could bring Sir Alex tomorrow. And you know well, what? Okay. I don't know if you get any no, better results.
0: Okay. Well, Alex is, his expertise is in running a club. This is a different thing. I, I admit to that. I'm not saying that this is a difficult You
2: you could bring Pep, Sir Alex, you know, Jose Mourinho. You could bring the okay, top okay, 10 okay, greatest okay. managers
0: in the last let, 15, let, 20, 30 I,
2: years. I, I, get, I, get and what, I don't Aaron, know if you get a better result.
0: Aaron, I get what you're saying. I really do. I, I, I understand the logic that has brought you to that place. The, the problem, I think, for me, is that this is truly a blind leap of faith. And because of that, it's incredibly scary because there's no guarantees that anything Klinsman is doing is going to work. And because he is seemingly incapable of saying... Anything that gives us um, reason to believe he knows what he's doing, there is a lot of doubt right now. That that I think that's fair. But let right? me ask
2: you this re- real quick question here. On um, you know we, we, we kind of throw back to Serena, you know this kind of like you know the magic man phase. Now now he was able to bury all these institutional problems because he's because he's a man from the institution, so we were able to get kind of results during his era. But did we actually deal with any of the institutional problems, which just keep manifesting themselves generation that? Sure, but, but, but how is, no Cl- is Clinton? And no mean? one calls him on that.
0: Aaron, Aaron, Aaron but that, that wasn't his job. His job was to win games. I know clinton got the technical director tag and therefore he has a different set of responsibilities again I think that that runs counter to to being the head coach of the national team in a lot of ways but what is what is Klinsman doing that is addressing those institute again my contention is that one man can't do this that this is a much exactly. lo- okay so so we, fine you don't want to blame Klinsman for not making progress on an institutional. Um, basis then why are you why did you give him all of this control imbue him with all of this savior type of um a uh, personality because
2: it's actually a highlight something if Klinsman can fail here and I'm not suggesting Klinsman's the greatest manager ever and the greatest of but he he is a European and or an international high quality piece of 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 Soccer technology. Let's, let, like if we <laughs> product, that's what he is. Uh-huh. And so, if he can just catastrophically fail, then it, it forces everybody to let the look at themselves at some point. And, and what I would argue is this kind of at a, at a real fundamental level is that, well, one guy can't fix everything, one guy could highlight a lot of what's wrong. And, and one of the things that is wrong is that CONCACAF is kind of this invention for Mexico. And the U.S. to kind of really get a path to the World Cup. If we had to qualify, if Mexico and the U.S. had to qualify in South America, you know. So let's pretend they extended South America all the way through the Americas, but kept, but then only had five or six slots. Both of us wouldn't qualify. They're no, sure, sure, sure,
0: Cup. Aaron, Aaron. But, but what do you mean it's a? What do you mean it's a? It's a Korea, It's it's a geographically based. Look, it's not the U.S. fault. The U.S.'s fault that it it's in North America. It's not Mexico's fault they're in North America and that their region no, but is if weak. if
2: you look at what FIFA, if you, if you look at the grand bargain in FIFA for the creation of CONCACAF in, in really the 80s and 90s, it was a method to bring U.S. into world football because everyone realized the U.S. was this anomaly, just the way we realize kind of China is right now, that is kind of out of world football, and India will be next in another 20 years. And these big markets, we don't want to leave off. And so the problem we have, we get this kind of free pass to the world cup without earning much. It's almost like the NFC West was 15 years ago in football. It was just kind of a joke. I mean, it was like one team, the Rams played football and the rest just kind of just shop themselves every week. And, and, and so it, it, it gave this kind of artificial, you know, strength of, of, of capability that yes, when you yes, can get okay. anything real, right. you fold.
0: But, but Aaron, the, the, pro- Okay. Well, I I don't disagree with that assertion that the U.S. has essentially had a pass to the World Cup for the past uh, 25 years, Um, every every World Cup between 1990 and now, Uh, and even not well, 90 maybe was a lot tougher than than now.
2: The, exactly. The,
0: the problem we we have a we have a chicken and egg. And this is this runs. This is a theme that runs through American soccer. We have a chicken and egg problem. If the United States was not able to qualify relatively easy for every uh, easily for every World Cup since 1998, let's throw that one as the first real one. Then would soccer's popularity be where it is? Would the infrastructure exist? Would would U.S. soccer have the money to even have thrown a little bit at a program that is yet to to reach any. Significant level,
2: you know what I mean. So See, what I argue is that is that we have actually more money than ninety percent of the country but in the way we industrialize that money, we fragment it so sure, people but, in the process can but, make money. Okay, but
0: so that, that but that's you look that's, the an dollars, spent, that's an that's existing 20, structure. That's an existing structure. That's an existing structure that that predates what you said. You know, taking this thing seriously, restarting no, soccer. No, it
2: doesn't. It doesn't because if you look at the deal MLS and some have, they don't have any financial responsibility in the development of, of football in the United States. And if you look at, and I'll take, and Germany's kind of a, 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 a red herring, but let's, let's say Belgium is a great example, right? Belgium is basically like Connecticut. And Belgium produced a golden generation of which we don't have one player that's remotely I mean Tim Howard. Tim Howard is the only player that could that could challenge, he would back up Côte basically, challenge to be on the on on the Belgian national team. And they were horrible in the nineties. I mean they didn't qualify for Euro, they didn't qualify for anything. But what they did is they reformed themselves and they started And they had the same problems we did. They had a weird, funky, lame league with a bunch of weirdos, you know, running them like real estate and car dealer guys like we have, you know, and who don't care about development of anything. And they basically just piece by piece forced institutional changes. And one of the best things they did, and it sounded simple, but every three years they required their national league to put one more percent of revenue into youth soccer, starting at the lowest level with each new percent. So they they went low instead of high. So instead of jamming it all into U twenty teams, they jammed them into like U eight teams, U sixes, sure. you know. And and uh, and I'm that not, just, I'm, of course, over fifteen I'm, I'm, years, not,
0: I'm not talking gained
2: about. all that institutional resources that you needed to build a program.
0: Sure, okay. I, I, I there there are. I mean, I'm not, these are not excuses, okay. But we have to recognize when I mean, you are using Belgium as an example, and it's and and it's extremely imperfect for a lot of reasons. The 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 issues that face the United States, and again. These are not. This is not trying to say. Well, this is just the way things are, and we should accept it. But the issues that face face the United States are multi layered. And when I say that the structures that that are in place that impact uh, the way we develop players, what I mean is pay to play at the youth level. I'm not talking about MLS. Absolutely, that stuff pre. I mean, play
2: in all these leagues for for years. You know, the PDAs, and and it's all basically. You got to be a top. 20 to 30% parent to afford any of this stuff and drive all around and fly all around in these stupid showcases. And, you know, and there's no system of play. I mean, my, 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 my daughter's really one that plays in college. She's not had two straight years of a consistent system of play for the last 15 years, not two years. And, and, and I mean, that's insane.
0: Okay. Uh, I mean, uh, they, they, uh, they
2: go from three, five, two to four, three, three to four, one, four, one. I mean, it's just like, if a Chris, it's a, it's literally like an institutional,
0: let's, you know, let's,
2: showcase on how you don't coach.
0: Okay, let's. Uh, I, I've got a. I got a bunch of people waiting, and I want to get everybody I'm on sure the. Sure, you do. No, it's okay. Uh, it's a great conversation. I think what we we can agree on here is that there needs to be, uh, there needs to be uh, obviously a mass reformation uh, of of American soccer. The problem, of course, is that this is a giant edifice that's not going to come down in one day. So we're talking, and and again, one man can't do it. So we're talking about chipping away. If you're, your, your assertion yeah. is that, that Jürgen Klinsmann is helping to chip away, I'm not convinced yet, but I'm willing to, I'm willing to admit that the possibility is there.
2: And, and, and all I would say is I would rather we bring in more Klinsmanns, you know, assuming he's just the first of many. Who, and they'll get all fired, but that's okay. And I think they're willing to get fired. I think there's this kind of global willing to help us. These people are a little weird. I'm not going to sit there and say that they're not, and their behaviors are, and I'm not going to defend them that way. But I think there's a pile of these kind of aged rock stars who like love America, who love to help us, and we're willing to spend five or ten years, obviously get paid well and get fired at the same time doing it and chip away. And I think we should just, in some ways, leverage them. You know, to come over here and and help us do that. I, I, I don't think, think there's any other way of doing
0: it. Okay, fine. I, I, I'm okay with that, but I would like it to be fun at least. And therefore, I'm. <clears throat> Then, then, we, then we we need to yeah we,
2: you know what that, that is a great point let's bring no, in
0: Bielsa okay let's just get this, hire Marcelo Bielsa have some fun for a while he'll go crazy uh, we'll all get frustrated with him and, and then we'll move on and go to the next guy okay that's what,
2: I, I would I I mean if someone set up a PayPal account I would put ten bucks in a month to get Bielsa there you go <laughs> I just think he would just go ape. Every week on everybody, including players, coaches, media, you know, gelati, just, you know, refs. I mean, it would be, we, we would become Olympic Marseille as a country, (laughs) which just would be the most amazing experience for like a couple of years.
0: Aaron, I appreciate the call. Call back, all right? Another time, let's have another Thank you. discussion. I absolutely,
1: well.
0: All right, Thanks. there goes Aaron in Jersey. Good stuff from him. We got you guys are lining up. I apologize, Aaron. Obviously, newest stuff. Good chat, Vince in Toronto. You're on the air.
3: Uh, hey, Jason, how's
0: it going? Oh, hey, Vince. Been a while. What's going on, man?
1: It's been a long while. Yeah, uh, you know, um, uh, I like many others saw, saw the U.S. Mexico game. I also saw the U23s uh, lose to Honduras. Um, I just, I just, I I just wanted to say this and I told Trevor this when he, when he asked me what I wanted to talk about, just, I wanted to pull everybody, you know, back a a bit away from the ledge. You know, I've seen already so many posts or so many Reddit posts, articles about how U.S. soccer, uh, you know, is at a low point, how, um, my favorite one is how U.S. soccer hasn't, hasn't grown since the nineties, which, which I just burst out laughing at that point. Um, you guys want to really see despair and futility. You just have to look north a okay, bit, okay. and, and you'll you'll truly get an idea of what it's like to be sad all the time and feel that your program isn't going anywhere. You know, Jason, I kill that Canada lose an extra time to Mexico on 12. I know, I, 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 know I, kill I know. Vince. Vince, have,
0: I you know. It's, I knew you were going to do this. OK, and, and it makes sense. You're 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 Canadian. It, uh, the frustration level is obviously much higher than than it should be for the United States. We we are, um, you, you know, we are moaning here while at the same time remaining one of the top two teams or top three teams in CONCACAF, very likely going to qualify for the World Cup. Still uh, all of these things, of course. OK, in re- in relative terms, we you've got uh, we've got nothing on Canada in, in terms of despair. But we, uh, we we're, we're accustomed to our lifestyle, Vince. This is like this is like when you have a, one of those divorces, and the uh, one of you know the spouse says, "I need a million dollars a month because I'm I have a a lifestyle I've become accustomed to." We're accustomed to our damn lifestyle, and Jurgen Klinsmann ha- is <laughs> is damaging our lifestyle, Vince.
1: You know, yeah, and I, and I agree with you in the fact that uh, that you know the expectations are much different, of course. Um, uh, but you know, this idea that, that, that Krinsman has poisoned U.S. soccer, I find it a bit laughable because, uh, I do believe his, maybe it's his time to go. Uh, I'm not exactly sure who would replace him, but, um, and at the same time, the questions have Where's to be asked of the, body and the USSF. But I don't know, I just feel that it's, it's, it's a bit, you know, over dramatic at some point, sure. especially with a lot of the, the writers. I'm not going to name names, but a lot of them have been, uh, adding fuel to the fire by saying that the U-23s have failed to qualify for the Olympics. That's not the case. They can no, still qualify, they but they, they like to say that they haven't simply because it's harder because it's easier for them to spin that anti-Klinsman agenda. Whoa, and we all
0: whoa, know, Jason, whoa, some of whoa. them already
1: have those, those very strong whoa. biases against uh, whoa. against
0: Whoa, whoa, okay, look. Uh, while I admit there may be some people out there who have a bias against Klinsman, I think, I I look, knowing a lot of the guys that you're you're obliquely referencing these guys are taking stock now look being a professional soccer writer or, or sp- somebody who covers sports day in and day out in general especially when you're close to teams and players and you talk to these people and you hear see the behind the scenes and, and look it's easy to become very very cynical i've seen people who are yay soccer's great become the the just the dourest, saddest most hateful people about everything. Everything is terrible all the time because they're cynical. I, I, yeah, you're talking to one right now. Okay. But I don't know that there's some built in. And, and look, I, I I respect the hell out of Simon Evans. I like the guy. We've had him on the show a million times, but he's been lobbing bombs about uh, xenophobia on Twitter recently. That I that disgusts me because I don't. This is not about Klinsmann being German. This is not about Klinsmann being foreign. This is about what we see in front of us and whether or not this is the right thing for the program. You may have a different opinion, but that doesn't mean that a an uh, an opinion that Klinsman is not succeeding or an opinion that Klinsman is not doing a good a good enough job is d- necessarily anti-Klinsman in terms of bias or xenophobic in terms of of, of uh, outlook. I mean, let's 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 just take this for what it is. It's a guy who has had problems recently with this team. There's it's a fair assessment of Jurgen Klinsmann does not say he's successful. You can argue that he's a good thing for the future of the program, that he is building towards something, that's fine. That is absolutely fair. But don't sit here and act like because you're saying he lost some games, you know, we're 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 wrong to say that it's it, it's it's I don't know, Vince. I'm very frustrated by this. Okay, Trevor's saying a lot of folks uh, take every opportunity to take shots at Klinsman. That's a that's a function of the job. That's not a function of anti-Klinsman or a function of xenophobia. Okay, that's a function of being of following this team day in and day out, and because you do so, you become. Again, you become cynical, you fall into a rut of negativity. It's a lot easier to pick somebody apart than it is to build them up. And you know why? Because when you build somebody up, people always accuse you of being Pollyanna. They always accuse you of overstating everything, especially in soccer, especially in an environment where everybody is snobbish about their particular knowledge. Oh, you think the American... Alexi Lawless is on Twitter saying, I think this team, this group of players could compete with anybody in the world. And he gets... Berated for it, he he's on the other side of it now. Maybe he's anti-Klinsman in some other way, but at least he's promoting the notion that American players are good enough, and everybody wants to shout you down. I mean, it's much easier. You get less heat if you say, "Well, we're not good enough. We'll never be good enough. Our system is crap. Everything is crap. Crap, crap, crap." That's just that's just the easier path, and I think. And again, people follow into into it, and I, maybe they should try harder not to. But that's just it. it I don't think they I don't think they're bringing their biases about Klinsman to the table. I think they're bringing their biases about it's just easier to be negative.
1: No, I suppose you're right you're, you you are right and you know the, the parallels between this and uh, often the Canadian soccer writing is, is quite uh, prevalent. Um, but you are right, Jason and the, the results are, haven't been there. I mean, you can argue, and and I I was one of the many who were yelling at my TV during the World Cup, wondering why is this team playing this way? After Clinton's been preached, you know, a proactive approach, that the team would go toe-to-toe. Now he backtracks and say, oh, we're we're still working towards that. Um, This is a guy who should have done much better at the Gold Cup, made questionable decisions, and and paid for it. Uh, This is a guy who has not made friends with the media at all. With you know, uh, you know, attacking them, insulting the intelligence of the American soccer fan on multiple right, occasions. Look, look, look! He's made it difficult on himself. Yes, um, yes, and very and look, much so. And I understand I, your frustration, absolutely, Jason. But I just, I, I just wanted to point out that not everything is bad. No,
0: no, no. You guys, no.
1: It, 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 there's still a lot to be done, and we won't know what Klinsman will have done for this program. You know, not for the, the long future, especially, especially because. He's not just the, the head coach, he's also the technical director. And so that, that's a whole nother uh, thing. Even when he leaves the head coach position, what is his influence going to be at the top? Yeah. Um, so the, the, there, there's a lot to unpack here. I do believe that his time as coach maybe is over, mm-hmm. but Clinton's time as a, as, a, as a cog in the U.S. machine isn't. Yeah. and i don 't think it will be for a while, so people also need to accept that that he 's just not going to go and disappear that 's not enough, neither is Daniel Gulati, so there there's a lot there that needs to be processed and yeah. unpacked it, it, and like, understood really because you know you can 't be negative you know going into world cup qualifying it just it doesn 't make for for, for for a good situation for anybody
0: yeah no, and you've you pointed out something that I think is crucial to this this conversation, and that 's that he hasn't made friends, he hasn't worked hard, he hasn't worked at all to... And he doesn't need to curry their favor necessarily, but he he also, you know, he's gone the other direction. Again, as you said, he's insulted the soccer knowledge of of pretty much every American. He's done some things that have maybe soured some people against him. And while in a perfect world... Every journalist is completely down the middle, biased views everything complete, completely evenly, regardless of what that coach says. Doesn't take that stuff personally. It, it's only human nature to sort of sit there and go, "Wait, are you, are you like, are you really throwing things at me? Are you criticize? Are you, are you uh, insulting me? How, how does a human being?" typically respond to insults it's it's not by saying oh this guy's doing an okay job we should give him time let's uh let's continue to sit by and watch these results go in the, in the negative direction let's watch this play this team play poor soccer no it's the other thing it's it's well this isn't going well and this is a guy who and that's part of it too is if he's going to continue to dig himself in and make himself an adversary how else is he going to be treated
1: No, yeah, I mean, and I can, you know, I, I I, I follow the U.S. as much as I can, but of course Canada is my home, and I follow them. And and the parallels between Benito Floro and what's been happening recently with him and Jurgen Klinsmann is quite fascinating, Jason, and I'll just leave you with this. At the Gold Cup, Canada failed to score any goals. They only let in one goal against Jamaica, but they failed to score, they even failed to create any meaningful chances. Yeah. When Floro was questioned about this by a number of Canadian reporters, he, uh, they asked him straight up, why is this team unable to score goals? They, were, they did not score any goals at all during this tournament. He retorts, well, well, we didn't give up any goals either. We just gave up one goal in the 90th minute and almost standoffish. Yeah. And after the Gold Cup, things have changed. And now the Canadian soccer media doesn't look at Benito Floro as some sort of savior of Canadian soccer. They look at a guy who perhaps has outdated tactics are starting to hurt the team more than help them. And it's just—it's fascinating to me how quickly things can change. After Landon Donovan was left off the World Cup roster, Jason, things changed very quickly for Jurgen Klinsmann. That was only going to be fixed by results—results results that haven't come.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's look—it's—it's it's, there, there's as you said, there's a lot to unpack. Thanks for the call, Vince. I, I gotta go. There's lots to unpack. It's all wrapped up in not only. The performance of the team, the future of the team, um, the style of the team, but our psyche as a soccer country—there's no doubt about that. I mean, I'll admit that I'll, 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 re- I'll recognize here that perhaps my interpretation of the Jurgen Klinsmann era is built on my expectations as a national team fan, my desire to see them progress, and the 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 issues that are. How how American soccer is still struggling to find itself. Uh, Roberto in Connecticut, we can shift subjects. What's up, man? <laughs>
3: you can read my mind perfectly, can't you, Jason?
0: Well, I mean, I have a screener who helps me out, so there you go.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I just want to mention a bit before I go to my uh, other subject and talk a little bit of U.S. soccer. I was speaking to my dad about the game, and he just said based straight up that, oh, the players are looking off the pace and everything, that they need new players to incorporate. The new side heading into the new cycle of World Cup virus. and then I asked him, "What about the new coach?" He's like, "Listen, if we're going to bring in a foreign coach, we need to bring in a foreign coach that actually speaks English and can understand and the American fans and the American public."
0: Well, there's no, there's nobody who's going to be closer to that than the American Klinsman. I mean, let, let's let's give the guy credit. He's been living exactly. here. He's been living here for 20 years. He speaks English. Maybe he doesn't speak intuitive English, because he is native German speaker, but he speaks good enough English. I mean, there's nothing, there's no issues with him relating. I don't think there's an issue with him relating. exactly. And I don't I don't buy the notion that he, you know, I, I talked to Matt Doyle yesterday on the Sirius show, on the Sirius XM show, and, and Matt said something about he would prefer we go back to a local guy who understands the American player a little bit better, and maybe there is a gap there, I don't know, but I don't think that's what's preventing Jürgen Klinsmann from doing um, the job that he's been hired to do. I don't, I don't think that's it.
3: No absolutely it's going it's a much more complicated situation that we would go on for hours and hours and hours, isn't
0: it yeah, exactly exactly so what else did you want to talk about Roberto oh
3: uh, yeah um I was just wondering how much do you know about the uh, welcome qualifiers today in South America uh, I, mean, I
0: actually I, I forgot to I forgot, I forgot to put those on the news and I apologize for that, but we've got five of them right it's so right, don't worry. um and, and I what? haven't looked at the table uh we're only what, one game in yeah, <laughs> so it's it's super early. We know what uh, Argentina and Brazil lost in the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got yes. uh, we've got. I mean, Chile's still r- riding high off of their uh, off their their um, uh, Copa America wins. So they beat they beat Brazil too. I think that that game was at at home. Uh, the Argentines losing at home themselves actually to Ecuador. So so now you have uh, now you have five games. To, obviously, five games today for the second round. What are you looking? I mean, Brazil hosting Venezuela—that should be a, a walk for for Brazil, um, and yet you know, lots of doubts should, creeping it in. Could,
3: it should, but it could not be as well because you never know what could happen.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it, and what I imagine the, the Venezuelans are going to bunker. They're going to sit back. They're going to try to absorb pressure. And if Brazil can't break them down, and that's been one of Brazil's issues, uh, ongoing issues for a while now, is. Is that dynamism in the in the attack? And, and no Neymar, right? Is he still out? Is he still suspended?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he's out.
0: So uh, they still have to deal with that issue. Uh, you've got Argentina away to Paraguay. That can't that can't be easy.
3: No, absolutely. And you look at that. I don't know if you've seen, if you have the um, the other sc- the other games for the uh, the following match days. Yes. Look at that schedule. Now imagine if they don't pick up points tonight. And look at the remaining two games that they have, or even the next three
0: games that they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, you've got okay. So you've got uh, Argentina away to Paraguay and Brazil home to Venezuela, and then they play each other um, in Buenos Aires in uh, in the second week of November. Uh, yeah, that could be that could be massive. And, and you know, look as much as it's about Argentina and Brazil not getting points, it's about everybody else too. So right now. Uh, you've, the, your winners in the first round: Chile, Colombia, Ecuador, Uruguay, and Paraguay. The question is whether or not those teams, especially with Argentina and Brazil not getting points, are going to continue. I mean, this is all going to work itself out eventually. They're going to have some back and forth, but you have to have, you know, you have to have five teams that uh, that that can maintain momentum enough to keep Argentina for, or Brazil from catching them because they're going to get points eventually. Roberto,
3: absolutely, but. That's the that's the beauty of it, you know. There is no more easy games. There is no more um, easy home games, for that matter. Because you look at the the teams in South America, the strength and depth has never been higher.
0: Yeah, it ever has. Yeah, I think. um, I I mean, if you were gonna pull, if you're gonna throw up the, I mean, Peru and Bolivia, the only teams you can really maybe look past a little bit, but even then, uh, you know, you play away to their to those teams, and you and you uh, you're probably gonna have a tough a, a tough day of it.
3: Unless you, yeah, unless you pick up points in, in the altitude in Bolivia, mm-hmm. then you are pretty much in a good place. Yeah, as long as you win the remaining home games. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it should be fascinating. Uh, again, I come to the issue of television. Any of these games on TV today?
3: Exactly. Yeah, and it's on the same day. It's the same time as U.S. Costa Rica. Which ah. I actually have one more question about. This. Do you think they're going to sell out today? In no, New
0: York? no, no. In fact, uh, in fact, Mark Fishkin from Seeing Red, a guy who. Uh, is that Red Bull Arena every chance he gets says that he thinks he thinks there'll be ten thousand people there today.
3: Oh wow!
0: Yeah, I'm I'm not surprised. I, I, I assume I assume that. Yeah, uh, the, lots. Of, I mean, lots of uh, it, it's it's the it's the disappointment after. Thanks for the call, Roberto. It's a disappointment after losing to yeah. Mexico. Clearly, um, it, it it it's a friendly following a meaningful game. There was always going to be a massive letdown, regardless if the if the United States lost or won against Mexico on Saturday. Um, you know, I, I don't know anything about how Costa Rica is coming into this game. I don't know what they're trying to get out of it. Uh, I don't even know if I'm, I mean, it's a friendly try to toss these things out. But of course, knowing how we will will react tomorrow, we'll either have something positive to point to and hopefully build upon and say, hey, you know, Klinsman at least got this group. He made eight changes. He sent home eight guys, nine guys, and brought in five. But hopefully he'll be able to to, to cobble something together that can be um, a, a notion of positivity going into World Cup qualifying because that starts November thirteenth or, or second week of November I can't remember which day of, of the week they start on, but it starts the second week of November that's not that far away it's a month away so they, they need something, and then you have uh, again you have the the possibility of losing or not playing well, and then tomorrow we're all back where we we were today or we were yesterday, down on this team, down on the fortunes of this team looking for looking for reasons to believe i i here, here's a couple of things on Twitter. Uh, Aaron's asking if uh, if they if if Klinsman has lost the team. I, I don't I don't know that Clinsman's lost the team because I'm not in the locker room. I'm not, I'm not going to presume, but I don't think it's good <clears throat> to call out one of your best players in public for trying to uh, for begging off in the match against Mexico. Again, Fabian Johnson probably shouldn't be asking off in that game. He probably shouldn't be. Um, if, he was, if he had nothing left and he was hurting the team, you could actually reason yourself into, well, he did the right thing. But if you're a competitive player, if you want to win that game, if you're giving everything you got, you probably don't beg off. He, is coming, he was coming off an injury, by the way. This is something to consider. And, and players should be cognizant of, what, uh, of their bodies and, and how far they can push themselves before things fall apart. But for Klinsman to go directly to the press And say things like, I had a a severe word with him. And I sent him home. And he can rethink his approach. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, clearly this is is not something he did lightly. You are calculating this decision. You are thinking, well, I want to make this statement publicly to send a message to everybody else. And the question then, and why Aaron's asking, is... How does the rest of the team respond? Do they take this as, wow, he's really holding us accountable. We better bust our asses. We better really work hard or he's going to have something to say about it. He's, he's, he's got the stick out. This isn't the carrot. This is the stick. Or do they say, you know what, what, enough of this guy. We, we bust our asses anyway, and he still, does it. He still goes out in public and, and, and shames us in front of everybody. I mean, again, I don't know either way. I don't, I don't know that one's more likely than the other right now, to be honest with you. And Kyle's pointing out that tonight's attendance might be related to uh, the Mets are playing in the NLCS. Yeah, sure, that, that's part of it. Yeah, Mets uh, Mets in NLCS versus USA Costa Rica and are friendly. I could see I could see the Mets winning out there. Uh, uh, much to producer Trevor's chagrin. 646-832-3909. That's your phone number. Uh, just a couple of other uh, news items that I saw this morning I should probably address on some level. Atlanta is going to have their academy start in 2016. This is two years, I believe, two years ahead of the launch of the team. Are they, are they starting 2017? 2017, so it's a, a year ahead. The story up over at, uh, at Soccer by Ivis from Ivis Color. That's uh, sbisoccer.com. Uh, Major League Soccer's next expansion team is still more than a year and a half away from kicking off. We know the team's name, uh, but its first head coach and first signing are still some ways away. But we do know that they will announce plans to launch a full youth academy starting in the fall of 2016. Five age groups joining U.S. Soccer's Development Academy. The nation's premier setup, which, of course, is that uh, U.S. soccer setup. It goes all the way back to what we were talking about with Aaron when he called in. Uh, We're bringing in everybody earlier than we we have to based on the MLS timetable because you want to get them comfortable with the market and understanding what's going on here, said Arthur Blank. Listening to everybody and getting a good sense of the soccer fabric in Atlanta. We'll do whatever we have to do to make sure it's first class and world class. We're equally excited about the youth part of this as we are about playing professionally, which is all great stuff from Arthur Blank. I mean, this is the owner of the team. This isn't. Carlos Bocanegra, who's the technical director. This isn't the president, uh, Darren Eels. This is the owner who's saying things about being as excited for the youth setup of Atlanta United as they are for the professional team, and that's good stuff. I mean, we could be cynical and doubt his commitment, but I don't think there's any reason to. We got to take uh, we got we, we got to take Arthur Blank at face value right now, and everything that Atlanta has done so far has been a home run. Okay minus the stadium situation playing on a football field with turf whatever okay whatever we're going to have to push that one aside but everything else has been a home run and in fact as a writer to this story
4: <clears throat>
0: uh reports are out that they have sold 26,000 season tickets or let me make sure season season ticket deposits are at 26,000 so they haven't sold season they haven't sold 26,000 season tickets but they've taken deposits on 26,000 season tickets again Year and a half away from actually starting,
4: <clears throat>
0: and they've gotten that many people to at least put money down on the idea of buying season tickets. That's uh that's big success. Uh, Darren Neal says Atlanta United up to twenty six thousand season ticket deposits. Um, now, if they got every single one of those to turn into a season ticket, and they got every one single one of those people in the building for their games, then. That's uh, I think that's probably, what, second in the league in attendance, or third in the league in attendance right off the bat with NYCFC because Orlando City is going to move into their new stadium eventually. It's going to bring down their average attendance. I don't know what the capacity of uh, the Orlando sta- uh, Stadium is going to be, but I don't think it's going to be more than 25. I know they've expanded it from their original plans, but it, uh, it's not going to be more than 25. So that could be huge for Atlanta. I don't know what the, the lower bowl capacity, right? Because they're doing the drape thing like Vancouver. They're bringing down the, they're bringing down the tarps or whatever to, to give it a more intimate atmosphere for soccer at the Atlanta NFL Stadium, the new one. Uh, also, this is related to Atlanta as well. Nice little segue here. Former, uh, former Atlanta Silverbacks player Kwadwo Poku called up to the Ghanaian national team. They're playing Canada today, as a matter of fact. I think that game's in DC, right? Is that game like RFK? Poku, one of my favorite players. Now, Poku is not the finished product. He's got a long way to go before he is a consistent enough player that we're talking about him as a best eleven in MLS or even a potential sale to another league or whatever. I mean, he's got he's got a ton of talent though. There's, that's pretty obvious. Defensively, has some issues. Not not quite the player he should be there. But to see him called up for Ghana is a little bittersweet for a couple of reasons. Uh, Well, for one reason, really, and that's that he has expressed interest in getting his citizenship and playing for the U.S. He's been here a while. His career started here. His professional career started here. He got his opportunity to go play for NYCFC because of his experience with the Atlanta Silverbacks. Uh, uh, He he loves the United States and, and has said that he wants to play for the United States. Uh, but Ghana has the opportunity to call him up now because he's uh, eligible for them. He's not eligible for the U.S. right now. Uh, this, I don't believe this is going to cap tie him. So we still, there's still, oh, wait, does that, does how does that work? I always get confused with these rules. If it's a friendly, it doesn't necessarily cap tie him, but if he's not eligible for the U.S., can he still, when he get does get eligible, can he s- switch? I don't know how this works. I, I, I can't remember and and, uh, and the other thing about poku and what he represents as a player that could one day be eligible for the US we we have a fascination as american soccer fans with the guy who is either the dual international or waiting to make a decision or a guy who's going to get a citizenship and we're waiting on him we get a little too excited about these players sometimes we put a lot we put a lot more into them than they might be worth and and certainly darlington Nagby comes to mind a player who, while immensely talented, hasn't necessarily progressed in the way that we wanted him to, or, or a lot of people hoped he would for the Portland Timbers, and I believe he's now eligible. And so we'll see if he gets a call-up in January. That, that'd that be great if he gets a call-up, and I would love to see him get an opportunity, but let's not make him into a savior. The same thing with Poku or uh, anybody else, for that matter, who's in that area. Getting overly excited about the potential to contribute to the team. All right. Six four six eight three two thirty nine oh nine. Lloyd Sam also playing for Ghana. That's right. Mark Fishkin uh, reminded me of that. Lloyd Sam, uh, English born but uh, eligible for Ghana, so he um, he will be playing for the Black Stars as well. And look, it's it's a friendly against Canada. This isn't Ghana's best team by any stretch of the imagination, but um, clearly it's a it's a great honor and an excellent opportunity for these guys to go play for the Ghanaian national team. Kyle on Twitter, random question. Anything on Beckham's Miami team? Haven't heard anything about the team in quite some time. Again, I had a, if you missed the beginning of the show, I did have an update on Beckham United Miami FC uh, as related from the uh, Daily Star. Daily Star's got to be a rag, right? Like, pretty much, yeah, it's definitely a rag. World exclusive, David Beckham, my plan to re- recreate Man United in the USA. <laughs> which i don't think he actually said i don't think he actually said that we want the club to be run professionally everything needs to be run like a club like manchester united you have to look like, look at it like that luckily i've had a little bit of experience in that and i definitely want i will be a demanding owner ooh i want the team to be successful and the club to be successful so i think we have i have to be demanding i definitely won't get involved in the team decisions though the way players are playing and things like that I, I, I don't, you know, sometimes you don't know if the quotes coming out of an, an English tabloid are legitimate or not. Quite often you'll hear, you'll see a story. Oh, this guy said this thing and then he refutes it a couple of days later. It says, this is a direct quote from this story. The hairdryer? Well, I've seen it enough times and I know how it works on the positive side of things. We'll see. But I'm not going to manage your coach. I won't get involved in any of that. I will just be the owner. All right, I don't know what the hair dryer what okay he I mean I know what it relates what the reference is, but why did this come up and what does he mean by i've seen it enough time I know how it works on the positive side of things the 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 throwing of the hair dry okay <laughs> uh but here's the bit here's the the important thing i it's been a long process, and I don't think. I didn't think it would be as difficult as it has been, but dealing with the political side of things in Miami has been a lot more difficult. Uh, But we found a site where we want the stadium, and we have to build it before we can come into the league. Our, Our aim is 2018, but trying to build a team is something I've dreamed of since being a kid. He goes on and talks about being 12 years old, sitting around with his mates, talking about owning a team. There have been a few speed bumps along the way, but I believe we are closer now than we ever have been. Hopefully, in the next six weeks, we'll be able to announce the side of the stadium, the stadium plans, and then we'll move on. It's really exciting. I, myself, was just in Miami last week, uh, last weekend. Well, uh, wait, actually, no, last week. Uh, Wednesday, Thursday, some of Friday. Got to see the one of the, drove by the, 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 the site that will likely be the home of the team that's near uh, the Miami Marlins Stadium. Saw the slip uh, that was potentially going to be a site next to um uh, american airlines arena i believe is what the the heat where the heat play there's a there's a there's a, in a slip there I, I mean i don't know how to describe it it's an inlet sort of situation man-made that they were talking about filling in and putting the soccer stadium there it would have been brilliant let me just say that it would have been amazing also saw uh, the original plan uh planned location on dodge island which is uh right uh, port of miami where the cruise ships uh, leave out of miami the backdrop for that stadium would have been insane uh i feel a little disappointed they haven't gotten there uh but they if they get a site man you know miami's got so many questions about it let's hope it works if they get it done vlad in new york you're on the air hey how
5: you doing um yeah actually i'm not um, in Miami, that's also pretty central, so I think you get you get a lot of you know the millennials uh, uh, coming in as opposed to, I think, what is it, the Dolphins and the Marlins and all those teams out were proper, uh, who have really bad attendance numbers.
0: Okay. What else?
5: Um, yeah, so I just wanted to call um, about, I guess, I'm not a big U.S. fan, but I'm in seeing kind of how it seems that Klinsmen and U.S. soccer, you know, history, the fans in uh, the United States and it, it relates I think as well to kind of the attitude that it seems that FIFA it, it is also taking towards you know fans and players and people to which you know, they don't really have any accountability and it it's frustrating to see it because it's a strain that you see throughout soccer but also throughout sports where these people have no their metrics does not include any kind of transparency or accountability of the fans and you can it's a, a mentality that kind of permeates through all of these institutions, and it's the same, strain, and it just kind of shows you how kind of, I guess, uh, ingrained it is.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I don't want to. I don't necessarily want to equate uh, FIFA's attitude to U.S. soccer. Although there are certainly questions about U.S. soccer, um, their involvement. Or or lack of disclosure on some of the things that happened within the Concacaf region, um, in terms of but all I'm of this. Sorry, I'm not
5: speaking specifically towards you know uh, you know fraud or corruption. No, I, I know, I know. You're you're talking in general, but but the,
0: the, when it relates to the national team, Vlad, when it talk, when we talk about you know what accountability U.S. Soccer has to the fan who supports this team, I mean it's it's very much the same thing as any any team has uh, accountability towards their fans. You you are supposed to be putting a winner out there that 's what the fans want they want to win games right generally speaking, if you win, right. nothing else matters um, soccer 's a little different because we get into style of play and how you play et cetera et cetera and that, that that sort of becomes bigger than it would be in any other sport but I think that you can 't you certainly can 't have an organization that is responding to the whim of of fans at all times it 's just you have to strike a balance how do you how do you find a balance where you are? Responsive to the fans, but you're also giving yourself the leeway to make difficult decisions. I mean, somebody's got to decide who the coach is and what direction the program is is going. It's not like you could take a referendum. Hey, everybody, vote on what you want U.S. soccer to do. That's that's not really how it works.
5: No, definitely. And I, as a Red Bull fan, and you know everything that the team's gone through in the last year, which is, I mean pretty fascinating because you know i think what january or february you have a town hall meeting where i mean just the vitriol coming from the fans was immense and i don't know what you know if you had a similar town hall for u.s soccer fans i don't know how that would you know if that would be somewhat similar but what was interesting was that the red bull organization did not provide concrete answers in terms of their approach going forward why pecky was fired but the difference though is that then they've had an amazing season they've they didn't really have a transparent approach to the fan base, but they, the, result, the results showed on the field. And I mean, I'd have to say, you know, as a season hit holder over the course of the year, I have a lot of faith in them suddenly. But you don't see that necessarily in U.S. soccer. Yeah. And I think that is an issue as well because just, there's more of a long-term development focus. But it's just an interesting kind of see that there has to be a payoff at some point or the fans are going to... I mean, I don't know what a you know, Red Bull condition would be if the, you know, if they hadn't played well this year because of weird decisions and no answers
0: it's man it, it you're you're that's that's fascinating that is it's it's fast again there's got to be somebody making tough decisions um you know the difference with red bull is of course ali curtis came in and he made those decisions he was the ultimate um the ultimate authority there and he was brand new on the scene and and some of the vitriol was directed to him because he was brand new because nobody knew exactly what he right. was going to do u.s soccer you've got entrenched leadership right You yeah uh, reelected again in 2014 for another four-year term i don't think i don't know if he ran unopposed this time around but he's run unopposed before i wouldn't be surprised he's got the backing of the people that matter which means that ultimately you know and he's been around so he's been around through good times bad times and we are now questioning whether or not he's making the right decisions it's I mean, I, I don't know. Again, I do think that a lot, I, I do think that we should also be paying attention to his role in all of the FIFA elements as well and U.S. Soccer's decision right. to, to back up bladder previously. You know, th- there are a lot of th- questions about U.S. Soccer and its leadership that should be asked. Um, you know, but what most people care about is winning and but, losing. So that's where the focus is going to be. But,
5: right, and but there also needs to be the impetus for these people to feel that they have to answer to someone. And I don't know what the mechanism is for that.
0: Yeah. Um, again, it's it's somebody running against Neil Galati that that can gather the votes up, and and the problem with these institutions, and definitely one of the problems with U.S. soccer, and then all the way up to F- I mean, CONCACAF and then FIFA, is that these people become entrenched. They they curry the favor of the people who make the the decisions. Those people are never. There's no term limits. Those people are never ousted. They're always there. They're always. It, it becomes this repeating cycle over and over again. So I said Blatter continued to maintain support because it didn't matter if couple of countries weren't happy with him it didn't matter if there were a couple of people calling him uh, calling him out for his leadership of an organization that was rife with corruption the people that did matter the people that amounted to the number of votes he needed to stay in power were never going to go away
5: right and even in terms of you know what the ethics committee has done recently i mean it's you know is it the sponsors you know is it, is it a lot of the backroom conversations going on the sponsors you know the last couple of weeks before postini and bladder went down i mean there was you kind of wonder, like, what is the domino? What's the domino? What's the yeah. domino for U.S. soccer? You know, what's the what's the domino for yeah. people? What really truly brings change? And like, I mean, everyone still seems very insulated. So ninety days—that's not much. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I mean, two different things here, obviously. Thanks for the call, Vlad. The the, the U.S. soccer stuff yeah. uh, again. If you are frustrated with the leadership of U.S. soccer, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I mean, to, to uh, uh, it's. It's almost got to rise to the level of being a consistent, and this is the uh, comes back to the issue of pressure, Not, no pressure on Jurgen Klinsmann, but also no pressure on Sunil Gulati. And it, because of that, Sunil Galati can operate with impunity uh, and, and give Jurgen Klinsmann the freedom, you know, the, the job security that takes the, uh, whatever, the, these things are obviously feeding each other. Bill in New York, you're on the air.
4: Jason, yeah, sorry, I haven't been listening to the show, so I'm not sure if you're done with the topic, but I just had to throw it out there before right. uh, the Costa Rica game tonight. That I'm going to. The players got to look at themselves after that Mexico game, and they sucked. And I know you hate to be saying, but they made Mexico look like a world class team. Okay, we they, the players didn't play, and the Jamaica game made me sick last year because the elitist attitude that all players had coming onto that field saying. That's a third-place game. We don't need to play for this. We only play for first place. We stink. Who the hell do we not go out there and give 100% every single game? Mm-hmm. And tonight, they better come out and give 100% to this, this game tonight. If these players come walking out there and, oh, we don't care. We just lost some Mexico. This course of in the thing. doesn't mean anything. It's only a friendly... Well, we're the fans. We're there. We're going to be there you better come out and give a
0: hundred tonight. Okay, fair enough. I mean, I think I think that's a it's, it's a fair thing. I mean, you know, if we're going to draw it out, it's going to be about whether it's a it's a player problem and you need to change out the players. And I I brought this up. Is it time to say goodbye to Clint Dempsey? I'm not talking about after qualify after the fourth round of qualifying. I'm not talking about 2017. I'm talking about right now. Is it say, time to say goodbye to Clint Dempsey? Is it time to say, all right, Josie Yatour, you've had too many chances. I know you're 25. You're not. You're, you're. You should be in the prime of your career, but you had, You've had enough chances. We're not buying what you're selling anymore. Um, is it time to say? Is it time to move on from a certain group of players who maybe, um, maybe do feel as though they don't have to put forth that effort, do feel comfortable in their position in the team, and then you know bringing that to even a uh, wider perspective the coach's job is to put together a team that is going to go out and put forth 100%, Bill, and maybe Klinsman has failed in that regard, and we need to give him an opportunity to figure out who those guys are. And And he really needs, rather than pressure to win games, we just say, screw it, do whatever you need to do. If we have to suffer through some bad results, now qualifying's coming up, we can't mess with that too much, but if we have to suffer through some bad results so that you can bring in guys who actually are going to give 100%, we'd rather, it's, and maybe this... I think this is probably true across the board. Bill, you're definitely expressing it here. We'd rather have a bunch of guys uh, who play 100% but aren't big names or aren't even getting minutes with their club teams than have stars who are out there not putting forth the effort.
4: 100%. I mean, that's the one thing we we love about the Red Bull team this year. The stars aren't there, and we have guys out there that are working. And I know everybody's talking about Clinton's job being on the line. I hope these players realize that their job is on the line. That these guys, if they don't come out and give 100%, they're gone. And I think they all feel this. They know that we're all cleansing, cleansing, cleansing. And I think they think they're getting a pass now, and that these guys aren't coming out giving 100%. Dudes didn't give 100% in that Mexico game. I don't care when anybody said he didn't play 100%, I was watching him closely during that game, and he wasn't busting it out there, like no. Bradley was. Bradley gave 100%, and I'll I give him all the credit in the world for that game, because how hard he was working, but some of these other guys weren't. No. And they better bring it tonight. Like I said, this is a game that these guys are saying, ah, I' does such a mean anything, and I can see guys coming out there, walking around on this on the field tonight, and they better not do it. They better mm. realize that their job is on the line, as well as Clinton. Mm.
0: Absolutely. Bill, that's a good place to end. Thanks for the call, man. Good stuff. Enjoy the Thank game. You. Enjoy the game for whatever it's worth. I'll, I will I definitely will all right it goes Bill in New York all right that's a uh, uh, that's a good place to to wrap up this edition of soccer morning thank you to everybody who called in Vince Aaron bill Vlad Aaron, uh who was there miss somebody else I think that's it uh make sure you checking you're checking out WorldSoccerTalk.com for all the stuff going on there uh, follow us on Twitter soccer morning that's where you can get us lots of people uh, lots of people talking about this town hall idea that Vlad threw out uh, Steve uh, Brizendine from Kansas City, with J.K. with Klinsman there to address the uneducated masses. Gallati there to explain why J- uh, why Klinsman is unfireable. Never happened. <laughs> no, probably not. But it's a it's a fun idea. And Nick actually says no for the sake of sanity. No, could be fun. Could be fun, guys. I mean, you know, could live for those moments. All right, that's gonna do it. Good stuff. Be back tomorrow. We'll talk USA Costa Rica, whatever that game brings us. We'll talk about the future of this team. U17 starting on, on Friday in the World Cup down in Chile. Lots to talk about. World of soccer. See you then. Bye.
5: Did my invitations disappear?
2: What I put my heart on every cursive letter, tell me why the hell.